the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. They would have been at the edges of their seat with this first line. It was an audacious and clever beginning to Mark's story, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Like any good storyteller, Mark uses the language and imagery of the day to capture his audience's attention. The classic beginning, here is how it all started, because they would have already been followers, and certainly if not, they would have already heard of Jesus by this point. But for the community hearing Mark's story for the first time, they may not have heard the whole of Jesus' story, and they would need to hear it, to know of Jesus' humanity and his divinity. Because no one had really put Jesus' story all together before Mark told it that first time. And Mark was writing to a Gentile community, we think, around the year 70 CE, when the temple of Jerusalem was destroyed. They would have been scared. They would have been unsure And they would have been afraid, quite literally, of being thrown to the lions. So Mark begins his gospel with the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark's story begins, and in these first sentences, lays out what they're about to hear. This is indeed a story that was told, mind you not a story that was written out. There was a person telling this story in a living room of gathered people. Perhaps they were gathered in secret, spreading hope and preparing the way for the risen Christ's spirit to do her work, the beginning of the good news. Now, the Greek word for good news is euangelion, It's the same word that we get evangelism or evangelical from. But in ancient Rome, around the year 70, this term was used to describe a military victory. Not to describe the good news of Jesus Christ. It was used to tell the good news of a battle won. So not only does the storyteller Mark tell his listeners right away what kind of story this is, this is going to be a victory story. He will spend the rest of that story redefining what kind of victory Jesus won. The beginning of the victory of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then Mark labels this Jesus he's telling the story about as the Christ, the Messiah, who is foretold in the ancient texts as someone who will, wait for it, come and conquer the land. We already know that this is what was expected of Jesus, but not what Jesus ends up doing exactly. So for Mark to remind the people listening of the role that Jesus plays, to say that he is the Messiah, the one who prophesies, is really important. And then, just in case they needed a little bit more, Mark uses the term son of God, which up until this point had only really been used for Roman leaders. They would call themselves son of God so that they can gather more power and more prestige. 
They were the ones who conquered the land. Yet this one, the hero of Mark's story, is not Roman, but Palestinian and a Jew. For the Gentile audience, this first sentence grabbed their attention, pulled them in, and it sets the stage for the later astonishment to come as Jesus defies all earthly understandings of victory. For Mark, the telling of this victory begins not with the birth, but with Jesus as an adult. And the way Mark gets into this first declaration of Jesus as the Son of God is by pulling in the ancient text of Isaiah, and even though he doesn't mention it, the text of Exodus. Because if you were to look closely at Isaiah 40, as I did once again earlier this week, you will notice that it begins with a voice crying in the wilderness. But the writer of Mark starts with, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, which is found in the book of Exodus. You know that book where we hear the story of a people fleeing slavery for a new life, wandering the desert, looking to God and figuring out who they are as a people? Not unlike those who were listening to this story that first time. I would dare to say not unlike us here today. And that Mark puts this scripture before any mention of John the Baptist would suggest that these historical and prophetic words from the Old Testament that Matthew and Luke normally attribute to the baptizer would actually be referring to Jesus, the sent one, the Messiah, the Son of God. That this Jesus, who is the Son of God, is being sent ahead of us to prepare our way. That Jesus is the voice in the wilderness pointing toward God makes perfect sense and has profound ramifications for the rest of the story. This one is the one with a message from God for the people who are gathered. And that message will be of salvation and peace and grace and love that will conquer, not military might. It is Jesus, the one who conquered death, that is preparing the way for us. Then, and only then, once we've understood those things, does Mark introduce John the baptizer. John was a popular figure. Some thought perhaps he was the Messiah, but he was quick to disabuse anyone of that notion. And here in Mark, his message is clear. One is coming who is more powerful than I. I'll baptize you with water, but he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. There was a hunger for John's words and actions, a need among the people of Judea to go through a ritual of baptism, to hear words of forgiveness. There is no brood of vipers mentioned here, only a word of promise. And it would have been a sa the same for those listening to the story. And it's the same for those who are still listening to the story. We want to hear good news. In a year riddled with 
bad news, starting with horrible fires in Australia, then a worldwide pandemic, then civil unrest, fights for justice, political campaigns, more fires, storms that devastate, schools are closed, church buildings are closed, businesses are struggling, parents are struggling, extroverts are struggling, you should probably check on them, healthcare workers are being pushed beyond their limits, and the list goes on and on and on. Good news is welcomed. The story is needed of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. This is the beginning of the victory story of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God enfleshed. Most notable, dear ones, is that Mark never ends his story. If you are to turn back to the very end of Mark's story, we would see that he leaves us with a cliffhanger. Now, somewhere along the way, someone decided to finish it for him, but I think Mark intended to leave us hanging because the truth is this victory story doesn't end. We, here in 2020, are still part of this story of the ways that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is life for all of us. An Advent invites us to prepare the way so that we may hear the story of God's love come into the world once again, to remember that we are not expected to be anything more than human beings, and to allow the audaciousness of the Christmas story to sink into our very selves so that we can rest in God's love and grace, so that we can get out of bed each morning and face this world, no matter what news is coming. And the truth that Jesus is the victor of death and the grave, that Jesus conquers it all for us, is indeed good news. Because we no longer have to fear. We no longer have to fear not only death, but as Paul would remind us, life, angels, rulers, things present, things to come, powers, height, depth, or anything else that we can imagine because of the death and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. This is the victory story of Jesus, the anointed one, the son of God, the very creator of the universe in human flesh. May we hear it know it and live it with all that we are each and every day and say, come, Lord Jesus. Amen.